0: Welcome to the History of Christianity podcast with Stephen Bedard. After Jesus, perhaps the most influential person in Christianity is the Apostle Paul. Even though there were many apostles, if someone refers to the Apostle, it's likely that they're talking about Paul. Paul wrote 13 epistles that are found in the New Testament, a literary output second only to Luke. I'm aware that some people question his authorship of some of the epistles, but that's something that I will tackle in another episode. But who was Paul? To answer that, we need to be aware of our sources. Our sources fall into two categories, primary and secondary. The primary sources are Paul's own letters. The secondary source is Luke's account of Paul in the book of Acts. Some people want to discount Acts as unreliable when it comes to Paul. I disagree with this. I believe that Acts is a very good historical source. We just need to be aware that there are going to be differences between how a person expresses themselves and what others say about them. I do not see Acts and the epistles as contradictory, but rather as complementary. What do we know about Paul? We know that he was originally known as Saul, and he was from the city of Tarsus. By the way, Paul does not refer to either of these facts in his epistles. I'll use the name Paul throughout this episode for the sake of simplicity. Tarsus is an old city that is found in modern, south-central Turkey, an area known in ancient times as Asia Minor. It was the capital of the Roman province of Cilicia. In 66 BC, the inhabitants of Tarsus received Roman citizenship. This is why Paul was born with Roman citizenship. Tarsus was considered to be one of the major intellectual centers of the Roman Empire. While we do not know how long Paul lived in Tarsus, it's possible that he was able to develop certain skills, such as rhetoric, at Tarsus. Paul was from a devout Jewish family. He was from the tribe of Benjamin, one of only two tribes that made up the southern kingdom of Judah. We don't know much about his family other than that he had a nephew. There has been much discussion about Paul's marital status. It would be expected that a Jewish man of his age would be married. However, it is clear that during his ministry, as described in the New Testament, that he did not have a wife. Was Paul always single? Was he divorced? Or was he widowed? Frankly, we just don't know. Paul was raised in Jerusalem and was taught by the rabbi Gamaliel. Gamaliel is a very respected rabbi within Judaism. The Mishnah says this about Gamaliel. Since Rabbi Gamaliel, the elder, died, there has been no more reverence for the law, and purity and piety died out at the same time. Paul excelled in his studies and his zeal for the law. Paul identified as being part of the Jewish sect of the Pharisees. Paul's religious zeal led him into conflict with the followers of Jesus. Normally Jews have not and do not go after people of different religions, But at this point, Christianity was not a different religion. It was a sect within Judaism. We find from the Dead Sea Scrolls that Jews from this time had very strong feelings against those that they felt were teaching false doctrine. The conflict with the followers of Jesus should be seen as something happening within Judaism and not between two different religions. It was during Paul's persecution that Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus. What was it that Paul saw? Was it a real experience of the risen Jesus, or just a vision? The problem is that this takes place after the ascension, that is, after the risen Jesus returned to heaven, presumably ending his earthly appearances until his second coming. But at the same time, the description found in Acts does not seem like an inner vision. The people who were with Paul when it happened saw and heard that something was happening, even though it was not clear to them what it was. And in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul includes his meeting with Jesus with the other accepted appearances of the risen Jesus. Although even then, he comments it was different in timing. I would conclude that Paul did not just have a vision, but this was a special appearance of the risen Jesus given only to Paul. Eventually, Paul made his way to Jerusalem. As you can imagine, the disciples were not very eager to welcome one who had arrested and even had put to death some of their fellow Christians. With the assistance of Barnabas, Paul was eventually accepted. Paul proved himself in his preaching as an excellent addition to the new movement. Paul's first partner in ministry was Barnabas. They had a successful ministry and many people came to faith in Jesus through their work. It was while they were working together that the Jerusalem Council took place. However, not long after, Paul and Barnabas went their separate ways. The problem was that John Mark, the future author of the Gospel of Mark, had left them earlier. Barnabas wanted to bring John Mark with them again, but Paul would have none of it. Barnabas and Mark went off to Cyprus. Paul then took Silas as his new partner. We'll look at Paul's colleagues in a future episode. Paul's focus in ministry was working with the Gentiles, or the non-Jews. That is not to say that he did not preach to Jews. His pattern was to go to the local synagogue. This would do two things. It would hopefully convert some of the Jews, and it would also reach some of the God-fearers, that is, Gentiles who worshipped the Jewish God but did not fully convert and were not circumcised. Paul would then preach elsewhere in the community, speaking directly to other Gentiles. Paul preached a gospel of grace and he did not expect Gentiles to be circumcised or to follow the law. Expect is not quite the right word. He would not allow it. He was fine with Jews who came to faith in Jesus to continue to follow their traditions, but he saw Gentiles who attempted to do this as contradicting the gospel of grace. Paul's gospel got him into trouble with some of the more traditional Jewish Christians. He had regular conflict with them. Although the pillars of the church, Peter, James, and John, endorsed Paul's gospel, others felt that he was going too far and was disrespecting the law of Moses. This eventually got Paul into trouble. He was visiting Jerusalem, and James suggested that he demonstrate his respect for the law by paying for the sacrifices of some Jewish Christians who had just completed their Nazarite vow. Some Jews who had seen Paul walking around Jerusalem with a Gentile named Trophimus accused Paul of bringing him into the temple, a Gentile in the Jerusalem temple. The Romans had taken away the Jewish right to execute people, except in the case of a Gentile in the temple, and then they even allowed them to execute Roman citizens. Paul knew better than to bring a Gentile into the temple, and he never did it. But the accusation was enough, and an angry mob came after him. Paul was taken into protective custody by the Romans. Some of his Jewish enemies were intent on killing Paul, and he relied on the Romans to protect him. It was during this time that Paul appealed to the emperor, which was Nero at the time. As a Roman citizen, this was something that Paul had a right to. Some might question the wisdom in this. The fact is that there was no evidence that Paul had committed a crime, and he could have been released. Even his Roman captors recognized this, but Paul had more in mind than personal freedom. Paul actually wanted to go to Rome, and felt that his path would lead to the greatest Christian witness. Paul was sent to Rome, although the trip was quite eventful, including a shipwreck. The Acts of the Apostles ends with Paul in Rome. There's some question as to why Acts ends here. Was it because this is where Paul was when Luke wrote Acts? This would date Acts, and therefore Luke's Gospel, as being written in the early 60s at the latest. However, many scholars would date Acts later and would argue that Luke ended Acts here for stylistic purposes and not because Paul was still alive. The truth is that we don't know exactly what happened to Paul after he arrived in Rome. There are some traditions that state that he was released and then he made his way to Spain. Later, he returned to Rome and was arrested again and this time executed. Others would say that Paul only experienced one imprisonment in Rome. What we do know is that Paul was executed in Rome during the reign of Nero and that he probably was killed by beheading. Thus ends the life of one of the most influential Christians in history. In the next episode of the History of Christianity, we'll take a look at Paul's letters and put them in their context. Thank you for listening to this episode of the History of Christianity. You can find this episode and all sorts of other resources on my webpage, hopesreason.com. And also find the History of Christianity page on Facebook. Finally, if you would like to support this podcast, I encourage you to go to patreon.com slash hopesreason. Even $1 a month will help this podcast to continue. Thank you and God bless.